we just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. I have way too much to talk about, and I'm not going to even try to get through it all, so I'll just give you a really quick piece of it and see where it goes. My favorite book of the Bible, hands down for me personally, is Ephesians. Every time, Ephesians looks like a coloring book in my Bible. It looks like a little kid just got a hold of it and colored it because it's just the things that Paul said, the way that Paul said them. You read it and it just, it, it just keeps unfolding. I should have known this would happen because I talked about Ephesians about a month ago and it was pretty crazy. And I came in planning to talk about the second half of the chapter. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Everybody say love. love. For the saints. Your ministry won't go farther than your love. Your ministry will not go farther than your love. I've heard too many preachers say, you know, I've, I've heard people get up and say, shook. I don't even really love people. There's some, <laughs> your love is, lim- your ministry is limited by your capability to love. And Paul says in this passage, he's saying, um, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's what I want to talk about. For the Lord, excuse me, that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation aren't just attitudes. We know the Holy Spirit as the comforter. But he also is wisdom. He also is revelation. If we could invite him into our lives the same way we do the comforter, imagine what would happen. Wisdom and revelation is not about a, a uh, little card I have in my wallet that says I'm an ordained minister. It's about welcoming the spirit of revelation. And the spirit of wisdom. Depending on your translation, some of them actually have a capital S for spirit of revelation. I want you to catch something here that's interesting because Paul's dem- he's demonstrating this apostolic prayer that he's praying for an entire region. He's not just praying it for the- those in attendance that day. Like, like how our minds kind of think. You know, we come in here and it's so easy for me to work within the room. 
But see, there's a difference between that and apostolic prayers and apostolic ministry. Is that Paul was moving from a place where he was actually doing like regional impartation. And something mind-boggling about Paul is that 2,000 years later, that prayer is still being answered in this room. You see, that's how apostolic prayers work. That's what they look like. It's not the same. There's different types of prayers. There's prayers that we come in, we pray for healing, we pray for a job, we pray for this or that. But then there's these things called apostolic prayers that when they're prayed, they have no expiration date. They live on. And here's Paul. He's saying, I'm going to release this prayer over the region, but 2,000 years later, we're still reading that prayer and getting whacked by it. Can you imagine sitting down and praying a prayer, writing down a prayer that thousands of years later, people are still praying? I talked to you last week a little bit about the fivefold ministry and our heart for that. This morning, I kind of want to just just take a moment and talk about the power of the apostolic. The ability to be able to do things that shape history and things to come. I want you to notice something. Who is Paul praying to? He prays to Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. What is he praying for his region? He's praying that their eyes of understanding would be opened. They would know hope. They would experience the riches of his glory. But there's something here that connects all of this, and it's this. It's wisdom and it's revelation. I really want to break these down because I believe that these two manifestations of the Holy Spirit, these two, when the Holy Spirit shows up in this way, it's probably one of the greatest ways we can impact regions and cities and nations. I think of Saul. I think of someone who, who was a prototype of wisdom. That In that day, it was unheard of the amount of wisdom he carried. But how many of you know that now we live in a new covenant? And it's not something that we can just look back at Saul and say, wow, that guy was amazing. You can have it. If we were to look, I really believe that it's just a breakdown in what we see. If I were to look back and point to someone who carried a great amount of peace, we could say, well, I, I can have that peace. I can have that comfort. I can have that Holy Spirit. Well, you can also have that wisdom and that revelation. It's not limited. And Jesus, here's Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated with him. In those heavenly places, it's a realm where how many of you know there is fullness? Everything is there. Everything you could need, everything you could imagine, it's all right there. And here we are, we're seated with him. And our ministry is actually releasing heaven. Call it what you want, but your ministry is to release heaven. 
That's what's happening this morning is, is a bunch of people came together and we, I could tell with that opening prayer, I felt it in the room that when we said, we're going to release heaven, heaven was released. You just got to hang out in a heavenly atmosphere for 45 minutes to an hour, which is why you feel what you feel because heaven was released. And Paul prays this, this, this word wisdom. He, he releases this word wisdom. In Hebrew, this word is actually called chokmah. It's, it's C-H-O-K-M-A-H, chokmah. But here's what this word actually means. It's skill. It's insight. It's wise understanding. It's a supernatural ability to discern. It's an ability to strategize. It's an ability to implement goals. It's the knowledge of God's word that actually, it's the ability to know what to do with the word. And when to do it. In every situation. We've set the bar, I think what's happened is, is sometimes we've set the bar not high enough. If I could say this the right way. We get really excited about just getting a word of wisdom. What about the ability to live a life of wisdom? Where every word you speak is wisdom. Uh, people, people get a word, and, and that's okay. That's, that's walking into it. I'm walking with you. The ability to be able to get a word of wisdom. What is that if you're... If you're I'm trying to look at the room, and we got all different walks of life in here. Sometimes you'll be in a room, and the Lord will give you a word of wisdom. It'll be something that you, you could not have known unless he spoke that to your heart. And, and you go up to somebody and say, you know, I, I just I got this word for you, and uh, I don't know if it makes sense or whatnot. I'm okay, by the way, with that approach. Some people are really funny unless you come up with the thus says the Lord. First of all, I do not think God speaks King James. <laughs> I think he speaks whatever you hear because you're his kid. I do not speak to my kid in a language he does not understand and say, I wish you'd figure that out. There are times when I can tell I'm talking to my child and they're not getting it, and I get down and I look at them and say, let me try to get this in a way you can understand it, not grow up. God will speak to you and however you understand it. If it's a teenager coming up over here to me and saying, I'm, I'm hearing this thing with the drums and hunger games, that's how he's speaking. I'm all right with that. Because I want people to begin to learn how to hear him, and he is always talking. But there's an ability to go from, from just setting our sights on, man, I want to have a word of wisdom, to saying, I, I want to live a life of wisdom. Because what would it look like? Because the reality is, is probably 99% of the people in this room don't work in a ministry job. And if you could take all of those people and send them out filled with a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation, you will impact cities. You will impact cities. But if we just bring it down and say, I wonder if I'll get a word of wisdom this week. I want so much more than that. I want so much more than that. Paul says that you can have the spirit of wisdom. And then he says the spirit of revelation. The easiest way that I could articulate this is 
with the spirit of revelation is basically the Holy Spirit being almost his thoughts being translated into our, into our minds, transmitted into our minds. It's God's voice speaking into our mind and informing us what he's getting ready to do. I think we need to realize that God has a lot of things that he still wants to do in the earth. You know, I heard, some, I heard somebody say uh, one time, they said, all the things that God wants to do in the earth has not been found yet. I want you to think about that. This Bible is amazing, but it does not contain everything God wants to do. It contains, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's breathed, it's powerful, it's our, it's our, our way, our path, but there are things that God still wants to do in the earth that no one has yet uncovered. No one has uncovered. And the way we uncover it is not, the way we uncover it is through the spirit of revelation. Revelation is so powerful. That word he uses there, that word revelation, it's a Greek word and it actually means unveiling or uncovering. It's the same word as the last book of your Bible that for some reason everyone is so scared of because we've made it into so many things that it was never meant to be when it actually means the unveiling of God. He doesn't have a personality change in Revelation. He doesn't have altered personalities, and he's this really great God in Ephesians, but then he steps into Revelation. He's like, whoa. He's still good in Revelation. The book is about unveiling who he is. And this word he uses here, he says that he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of Revelation. One of the greatest mistakes that we make is that we read things through our literal mindsets. I, I can always feel the struggle. In a room this big, you've probably got a handful of people that are trying to figure things out in their head. What's going on? Was that water he just poured on that drum? Was that, was that cake that they just got put? You know, all leads back to you, Victor. No, was it, was it is, is the worship leader laying on the floor? Was that, you know, was, what's, go, what's going on? See, your mind is trying to figure it out. But there has to be an ability, if we're going to be able to uncover new things, to say, I don't have to get it here. Just speak it straight here. I just want the spirit of revelation to unveil it right here. And a great mistake that we can make is when people, they, they get really hung up on having to understand everything. He's just, he's just too big. He's just too big. He said in 18, he said, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, and the inheritance of his saints. This is interesting because many of your translations might even say, use the word imagination. 
something we've made a mistake in is we've actually come against imagination. That's a big, 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 big problem. Everybody's got one. Then God gave it to you. And it's meant for good. Imagination is huge. Paul said here, he said that the, the eyes of your understanding, some of, the, some of the translations will say that the eyes of your imagination would be opened, enlightened, that you would then know the hope of his calling. Here's the problem. If you've been taught just to cast out your imagination, which is like saying I cast out my leg, because God gave me that too. I cast, you know, that, that imagination's kicking up. There he goes again. That's why I like hanging out with kids. Kids are so fun. My, <laughs> kids are just fun. There's just, you know, God, remember when the disciples were having issues and they were like, listen, we need to know who's the greatest. I can imagine this argument. I, I think about, I think we look at the disciples sometimes and we think they're just these superstars. These guys were fighting over status. Like, I'm better. No, 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 I'm better. Let's ask, let's ask him, who's the greatest? And he brings over a child. Uh, and, he, and he says, <laughs> basically, he is or she is. I believe there's something to it, though, that the disciples needed to get, they needed to begin to grasp, is that the one thing, if you were to say, what's the difference between a child and an adult? There's a few different things, but one of the greatest, I believe, is the imagination. Children have not been through the pain that has squandered their imaginations. And so they have these abilities to just imagine. Paul was saying, it's through your ability to imagine that hope is released. If you keep casting down your imagination, where's your hope? You still with me? You see, when, this, when this begins to happen, when this, this, your imagination begins to free, be free to run with the Holy Spirit, to connect with the Father like it was always supposed to. You ever thought about just the fact that, you know, Creativity doesn't happen outside of imagination. Creativity is a manifestation of the imagination. You can't just be like, <laughs> bam, it happens. You have to think it through first. You're, you're imagining it. I love sitting down with creative people because I'm watching their minds work, and then I'm watching them. It doesn't matter if you're an artist or a contractor or what it might be, or a salesperson that can think of interesting ways that we could bring up the sales doesn't matter. I sit down with them and I love being around them because I can feel their imaginations going. And then all of a sudden they present this idea. And so many people that cover up fear with what they call wisdom shoot it down. But Paul said, you need to let the eyes of your understanding, let your imagination go. Because then hope will flood you. 
I know it sounds crazy, but maybe the reason for hopelessness is just because you don't imagine enough. Maybe there's a reason that children are so filled with hope. They're just filled with hope. I mean, they're filled with it because their imagination says, I have no problem believing this. I, <laughs> I recently, I had the opportunity, we just bought a new vehicle, and taking your kids to buy a vehicle is a bad idea <laughs> because the salesmen eat them up, man. My, my kids are like, this is the one. This is the one that I'm like, no, <laughs> this may not be the one, <laughs> you know, I'm like, but I, what am I doing? I'm sitting here running through all these ideas in my head. I'm running through all these scenarios I'm a, that I can't afford that, right? All of a sudden you got quiet. <laughs> okay. We're going to dig in deeper. Because I had this idea for me personally, I'm going to talk about my truck because it's really a miracle that I got it. I had this great idea that I was just going to get a stripped down, bare, basic version because that's all I could afford. The problem was is God had a better idea. And so I thought, well, you know, I thought, <laughs> I'm getting in all these cars and my kids are like, Dad, this, this, is, this one, Dad, the whole ceiling like opens up. It's, you know, it's like, this is the one. And I, here I am, I'm, I'm starting to like, I need a dream. I need to start dreaming. And so I'm not really worried about if God gives me the dream, he can pay the bill. He doesn't give you a dream that he can't pay for. And so I begin to dream and I begin to look at things and all of a sudden for me personally, all of a sudden something pops up that I, I get in it and, and my son is so prophetic. He's like, dad, this is the one. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, and for me personally, I, man, I, you know, it was never what I dreamed I'd get, but every bell, every whistle you could imagine is in it, because God's saying, I want you to dream. And I'm saying, God, you know, I'm fighting myself. Why do we fight on the good things? I'm like fighting. I'm like, I can't, you know, and, and what happens? He works everything out, and then next thing you know, I'm sitting down with the guy that's selling me the truck, and he's, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. He said, he's like, that's why you got such a good deal on this truck. <laughs> he looked at me and he's like, and all, all of a sudden everything changed. We'd be just, he lit up with a smile and he's like, and you know what he tells me? I was, I was giving him a hard time. I said, hey, I want a hat. I'm like, I just bought that truck. You need to give me a hat. And he's like, Mr. Math, you know how they do. If you give me that much money back, I'll give you a free hat, you know. I said, no, I want a hat. And so anyways, we talk, and he, and he pulls a hat out. He sets it on the thing, and he looks at me and says, he says, here's a hat for you. He said, I'm just asking you to do one thing for me. He said, every time you put that on, would you please pray for me? He says, my mom recently died, and a, a, a grandma recently died. And he said, they're the only ones I had in my life that prayed for me. His name's Ken. Don't you love when God starts to say, I want to bless you, and I'm going to rock someone else's world? And I said, Ken, I said, I'll pray for you right, right now. He's in there, man. He's in there. You know my favorite story in the Bible? He's like, he's like telling me, shouting all of a sudden. I'm telling you, man, presence of God is breaking out. Who, listen, who am I to say what, what God can or can't do? He said, John, just imagine. Just imagine. It don't matter if I get an old beat-up car or something else. That's not the point. The point is, is we have to imagine with God. 
We have to get to the place where we can let our imagination run free because then what happens is you start having a church filled with hope and people that are filled with hope. And Paul said, just let your eyes of your imagination, your understanding be opened. Woo. Because here's the deal. When you open those eyes up, you begin to have light flood your heart. And then an enlightened heart attracts revelation. Put it this way. If, I, 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 if I'm trying to host a meeting in my house and it's dark out, what do you do if you've got a bunch of people coming over? You turn all those lights on. Why? Because it attracts them. They see it. It's, that's the house. It's lit up. There's something about a heart, an imagination that is aligned with God, that is moving, that actually lights up and attracts revelation. You say, why do they get all the revelation? Well, maybe they just got a big imagination. And they're just saying, I can dream with that. I can dream with that. I love sitting down with people and I sit and they're like, I can dream with that. I love those people. I feel like there's dreams really being like released in this room. I can feel it like heaven just coming down. I don't want to leave this topic if I don't get to anything else and we finish on this. We'll get, let's just stay on this a second with the imagination. The imagination is not a bad thing. My buddy, Jonathan Welton, says it so well. He says, you know, imagination is like a TV. He said, TV is not bad. You can put things on that TV that don't glorify God, or you can. But you don't say terrible TV, bad TV. It's a TV. Your imagination is not a bad thing. It's who you're dreaming with. Who are you dreaming with? Who are you partnering your dreams with? Because your dreams attract one or the other. And your dreams, when you begin to open that up, man, I feel the Holy Spirit coming down on this right now. It begins to attract this revelation because it's lit up. And you've got these imaginations that are actually like a conduit for the glory of God. They release heaven. My passion, my, my, one of my greatest passions, if you say, what is your, what do you really want to do? I want people to figure out how great they are in Christ. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's so important to come and tell you about, you can't know who you are if you don't know who he is. But some people only talk about who he is and they never tell you about how good you are in him. And they beat them down and they beat them down and they teach a message of God is good, you're a sinner. But he's good, but you're a sinner. But he's good. But you're a sinner. I used to be a sinner. Then I got, then I got saved. Let's just, we're just kicking over all this bees nest today. My Bible says that I'm a king now. I'm a priest now. I'm not just a sinner anymore. I was a sinner that got saved by grace. And now I carry everything he carries. 
but you have to. How can you possibly, your mind can't just, well, I carry all this greatness. What am I going to do with it? Well, here's why I'm being almost like it's like a practical approach to Revelation. I carry all this greatness. Now what? You carry all this greatness. Now what? I have to begin to imagine. Because it's when I begin to imagine that revelation will come in. And then I know what to do with it. You are filled with greatness. Imagine. I'm not, I, I don't back off of this because I don't feel like there's anything more important than people that can dream. People that can dream. Why do you think the first thing that happens when the enemy comes against you is he just kills all your dreams? He just tries to knock them out. Because he knows if he takes out your dreams, then what? You feel like there's no hope because you just lost your ability to imagine. Because now, now you're losing that connection to hope. And God comes in and says, listen, listen, boy, listen, girl, just dream. You have my mind. You can actually dream my dreams. You have the mind of Christ. I said, you have the mind of Christ. You can dream his dreams. Well, what if it's not him? Well, what if it is? And you know what? And you know what? My son's got dreams that aren't my dreams. But I, he's my son, and whatever is his dream becomes my dream. My daughter's dreams are gymnastics right now. That is not my dream. <laughs> but you better believe her dream becomes my dream. And if she wants to go to the, the Olympics, come on, baby. We're going to go. And I'll pour everything I can into you to get you there. You see, God doesn't, you don't have a dream. You don't have a dream, and God's like, well, I don't know if that plays into my will for you. And we go back to the issue of the will. Here's the crazy thing about the will of God. He actually made room for you in it. I know that's a super heavy thing for some of you to take. But if it's not true, then why could Mary say, Jesus, it's time to make this miracle happen. And he said, it's not time yet. And she said, let's go ahead and do it anyways. And he says, go ahead. <laughs> One of two options. Either he was a liar or he made room for her. Take your pick. Pick carefully. <laughs> He's not a dictator in heaven. He's a good dad. You see, people are figuring this out. And all of a sudden, you can come to church and you can actually lift your head in worship. Because you're not so covered up in shame. And you can just say, oh, I love you, Jesus. I'm definitely not perfect. But I'm yours. 
you know, people say, people, people say, you know, teach about, I have some people tell me, you need to teach the basics. You know, the same guy that's writing this also wrote, you got to get away from just constantly talking about the elementary things. Like raising the dead. <laughs> See, you guys are like, whoa, that's what he said. He said, guys, you're talking about the same, you know, raising the dead. And you got you to gotta, you gotta move on. You got to get to the point where you're actually thinking what he's thinking. You got to actually get to the point where the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom is flooding you. And everywhere you go, you're walking through the store and somebody says something and you're like, I know the answer to that. And you, and you say, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to butt in, but I heard this question. I just, as soon as you heard that, just feel like the Lord said this. Bam, spirit of revelation. You see, this thing with the imagination and how it furthers the kingdom is huge. And I'll give you just a, a couple points to how to bring your imagination to life. Focus it on him. Take it and say, I want to dream with you, God. Let's dream together. Begin to imagine things. I know this is, for some of you, it sounds like the craziest thing. I imagined all of these seats filled long before they were filled. I spoke to empty seats for most of my ministry. You guys are here in a wonderful time, but I preached to 35 people in the room and 150 empty seats for years. But I imagined. I, I'm not ashamed to say that. I imagined the cars in the parking lot. I, I'm still imagining. I imagined it. And God said, oh, let's dream together. I just need a dreamer. When you see a believer, when you see the person on the left and the right of you, imagine them robed in his glory. When you see an unbeliever, imagine them stepping into their identity. When you meet that person that's just, every time you're around them, you, they're just lost, they're hurting. Begin to imagine that person coming into the reality of who they are. <laughs> when you're praising Jesus, imagine his throne right there, receiving your praise. It says he's enthroned in the praises of his people. I believe it's very simple in the kingdom. I believe it's what you see is what you get. When God told Abraham in Genesis 15, he said, go outside, right? Look at the stars. He told him to go dream with me. Go outside, get out of your tent, go out, look up. 
Look at all those stars. He was encouraging Abraham to imagine. You can do this, Abraham. Imagine. This is, this is your, the generations to come. You know, the thing about Abraham, Abraham carried his promise for a really long time. He also went by a name, Abram, and Sarah went by Sarai. Imagining was... Step one, the second thing was I'm actually going to align my identity with the dream. And they carried a promise for, I think, 25 years or something. And when they changed their name to a name that sounds absolutely ridiculous to a barren couple. I, I know in today's day, we don't actually meet someone, hear their name, and don't really think about it. Their names actually meant something at that point that were very important. And so when they heard a name, they knew what it meant. And here they are. They come up, and all of a sudden, I'm the father of, you know, nations. <laughs> the guy with no kid. It was when he actually went the step farther and said, I'll actually make my identity the same as my dream. Then, within a year, they had their child. God's big about this thing with imagining. He gave you the ability to do it. He wants you to do it. He wants you to be able to dream. I release in this room right now. I take off. I take off this, 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 these lies about imagination right now. I lift them off of you. I lift them off of you. I lift them off of you. Dream again. Dream again. Imagine. Imagine your family. Those of you that don't have, you've got marriage issues, imagine what it could be like. And then make that your truth. Dream with God. Dream with God. If you feel like the dreams and the imagination has uh, been to the point it's almost been ripped away from you, I want you to stand up right now. If you feel like the enemy has tried to rip away and tear away your dreams and your ability to imagine with God, just stand where you are. Put your hands out. I release to you the wild imagination of God. <laughs> I release to you. You know, the one that formed the earth and everything. I release it to you. That you can take spaces in your life that look like they're dead. And you can begin to imagine again and dream again. 
dream, dream, dream. All the lies that are flooding your head that you're remembering even right now. I just pray that the Holy Spirit would wash them out. Wash them out. Wash them out. Just cleanse them. Cleanse them out. That you could just dream. I speak to what you feel like is the voice of reality. Reality can sometimes be truth's biggest enemy. Well, this is the reality. What's the truth? I pray that those false realities that have come in and established themselves that say, that part of your life is already gone. You missed it. You did this instead. You got married. You did this. You had children. All those things. I release truth. That is God still. The, the, the same thing with Paul, that their apostolic prayers. When God releases something into you, it's irrevocable. You can run from it. You can hide from it. But it's irrevocable. You can't be bad enough to get rid of it. It's still there. So I call forth the things that he put in you and he placed in you that even you think have gone away. Maybe you felt like because of life's decisions, it's gone. It's not gone. I call it forth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is a real powerful moment. Just wait a minute. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Now I pray over everybody in the room. Let's all stand up. Thanks for, thanks for your patience. We're, we're getting there. Let's just stay with it. Put your hands out. In Jesus' name, I release big dreams. Big dreams in this house. Big dreams. I'm talking <laughs> the ones that you're, if you can accomplish it without a miracle, you're not dreaming big enough. I said, if you can accomplish it without a miracle, it's not a big enough dream. I want to dream things that would take an absolute miracle for it to happen. Those dreams. Stay right there. I just, I feel this word that's floating through the room. Some of you have been taught that God only cares about your needs, not about your wants. And that's a really deadbeat statement for a dad. God cares about your wants too, folks. He cares about everything. He cares about if you, <laughs> if you hurt your pinky, he cares. As a matter of fact, that's actually somewhat the opposite. The Bible says he'll take care of all your needs. Don't worry about those. He says more than once in his word, he says, don't, 
I'll take care of your needs. But dream, dream. Right now, I feel those, I, I can, in the spirit, I see house lights turning on all over the room. You are attracting revelation and wisdom because the eyes of your understanding, your imagination is, is coming to life again. And revelation and wisdom are chasing you down now. Everybody say this. God cares about my dreams. Say it again. God cares about my dreams. Look at somebody around you and tell them, and tell them like you mean it. God cares about your dreams. Now I want you to pray for the person around you on the left and on the right. And I want, this is how we're going to end. Put your hands on that person. And I want you just to pray that they would begin to dream. Just dream again. Come on, everybody in this room. Come on, pray over them. Dream again, dream again, dream again. God cares about your dreams. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. There is no retirement in the kingdom. There's no kingdom retirement. So those of you that are retired, that does not always reflect what's happening in the kingdom. New seasons, new assignments, new dreams. That's the word I'm feeling. New seasons, new assignments, new dreams. Thank you, Jesus.